All right, let's pray. Uh, God, I, uh, I thank you for, Father, another online experience. Father, I thank you that we get to do this. Father, I thank you that uh, men, women, children get to watch church from their homes. Father, I thank you that, uh, Lord, that your word and your whole being is still relevant, is still alive and active. And Father, that you bring purpose to what we're doing right now in this moment here on a Thursday evening, and yet this moment whenever and wherever anybody is watching in the moments to come. You are a God that transcends it all. And so, Father, we worship you through this experience now and forevermore. In your name, amen. This is a picture of uh, my buddy Phil and I. We went to a Rangers game about a, about a year and a half ago or so, maybe not, a little over a year ago. I had a, a Converge thing uh, in Dallas, and it just so happened to be on the outskirts of Dallas where my buddy lives, and so I was able to stay with him and stay in an extra day or two. And it just so happened uh, that the uh, Red Sox, my team, were, was playing the, uh, the Rangers. And what was cool about it was it was one of the Rangers Rangers' last game in their old ballpark, and, uh, and so I got to see that. There was a whole crowd of people there because the, that park was coming to a close, and here we are uh, on our way into, into the ballpark, me and my, my, buddy, my buddy Phil. Now, I know this is like in some circles, you know, people can, you know, uh, I bought a 50-50 ticket, okay? I bought a few of them. I spent like 5 or $10. Uh, whatever. Send the comments to somebody else. All right, so I bought a 50-50 ticket. And I remember distinctly that the first letter on the 50-50 on the ticket was G. I had a whole bunch of Gs. And then I had like 20 through like maybe 25 or something like that. But I distinctly remember that I had G in 22. And, and it gets time to announce the 50-50. It's like a $25,000 prize, like take home. And it was G. So I had my, my letter of the alphabet because it could go all throughout the alphabet. And, and then it was... It ended with 22. Now, there was probably like six numbers in between that and 22. But I was like, oh, my gosh, that might be me. And I couldn't find my ticket. And in the whole park, I'm like, I'm searching, I'm searching, I'm searching. Like, I'm searching my pockets. I'm like, did it fall out? I get back to my car thing, and maybe I just, like, did it. And I kept searching because I was like, by the end of the night, like, they, they kept saying, no one claimed this 50-50 uh, prize, $25,000. Like, I was losing my, I went home. I went to my rental car thing, and like, did it, did I, did I misplace it someplace else? And maybe, it, like, I searched everywhere. And until this day, like, it eats at me from time to time to think, like, I very likely had a $25,000 50-50 ticket that I lost and went unclaimed and, and, and like, you know, whatnot. Now, I'm in Texas. Now, if I were Jerry Jones and I, like, just bought a 50-50 ticket and lost a, a $25,000 uh, prize, I'm probably not thinking twice about it. I'm worth billions of dollars. I'm not searching the car. It's, it's kind of like a whatever. If I don't claim it, it's like, ah, oh, whatever. But I'm Jason Koash. With my house debt, my school debt, my car debt, my net worth is somewhere in the range of like negative $200,000. So I do care about the $25,000. I can paint a picture that I need it because it could pay off my school debt. Now, so many of us walk through life like Jerry Jones when it comes to, in this scenario, when it comes to Jesus. It would be nice to claim him, but it's really no big deal. It has really no impact on my life. It would be nice, but it's not really going to change anything about my life. Where others 
now we've been going through this series. We're beginning to see the need for Jesus, but we don't necessarily know how to claim him. Or, or maybe we've claimed him, but we're not like, like, do, like, how do I let him change me? But yet to claim him is to live like him. Here's, I want to make this comment. To die, not having proclaimed Jesus, leaves us with an unpaid debt in the life to come. To die, not having proclaimed Jesus, leaves us with an unpaid debt in the life to come. That's a loaded statement. Many of us are, have been wrestling with this, are wrestling with this. What do we do? I want us to see in these coming moments the need for Jesus. I want us to accept him, not in theory, but I want him to be in ever-present reality in our day-to-day lives. And so for you and I, in these next few moments, I want to walk through three very crucial, very important questions First, I, I want to I talk about how do we get here? How did this, what is this mess? How, how do we get to here? What must be done, secondly? And then thirdly, who needs to do it? So let's look at the first one. How do we get here? Here's what it says in Romans chapter, chapter 10. Now, you can, you can read it on the screen. Uh, wherever you're watching from, maybe, maybe someone invited you to a house. They can, they can get you a Bible. Uh, they can show you with a Bible app. They can show you an, an R app, how to get to the scripture, things of that nature. But we want to look at Romans chapter 10. This is written by a guy uh, named Paul. Paul was a dude that hated Christians. Maybe you're in that place. Maybe you've been in that place where you hate Christians. Paul was right there too. God knocked him off his butt. And, and he had an experience with God Almighty, comes to know Jesus Christ as Lord, as Savior, and then starts writing scripture and going on mission for Jesus. And when this is one of the, one of the books that he's written, and, and, and we let, we're left with this account. So here's, <coughs> here's what Paul says. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. Paul is, is, is referring to how, how you and I have a standard. He calls it the law. Moses is kind of the father of the law. He's, he's the one that, that the law was ushered through, that you and I have a requirement. Well, whether or not we want to look at, at the Bible for, the, for religious law or just the law in general, whatever it is, you and I all have a moral standard. But, but for us, we're going to say, okay, here is our moral standard. We want to keep the law, then, then you better keep it to the letter. That's what, that's what we're, we're talking about here. When we mention law, the, the element of law is to keep it to the letter. So w- salvation, saying yes to, to, to having a relationship with God Almighty for all of eternity, that element of salvation is to do that by works, to be good enough, to be perfect, is theoretically possible, but practically impossible. So Paul is talking about this law. In warning that if you strive to achieve perfection, what he's going to call righteousness by obeying the law, you better do it perfectly. You better understand it, and you better live by what it says perfectly up until this point and forevermore. 
Paul uses a word called but. He says but, and this communicates a change. This communicates a different way of thinking. He talks about uh, the abyss. He talks about heaven. He talks, he, he alludes to hell. But he's alluding to it in a, in a manner that makes it, that, that's not the focal point. The focal point is not heaven or hell, although that is part of it. That is part of this conversation. The focal point is not heaven or hell. Too many times you may have heard a conversation like this and the focal point is put on heaven or hell. No, the focal point here is Jesus who is the end of the law. He's the one who was born under the law, who understood that what God's moral standard is, who lived it perfectly, And he is the end of the law because he achieved perfectly the demands of the law. He completed the intent of the law in that he pleased the Father with his perfect obedience. Jesus Christ was brought down from heaven. It's alluded to here. Brought down from heaven. He died on a cross because you and I have sin. You and I have done wrong that demands punishment. God takes sin so seriously that he punishes Jesus in our place. He's risen up from the grave. He's brought up from from the dead. This is how that you and I can achieve perfection. It's not that you and I can achieve perfection. It's that perfection has been done for us. It's been achieved for us, leading us to humbly look at Jesus, you and I. So, so here's, here comes the question. Maybe, maybe you're like, oh, here, here's another religious person trying to make me feel like a dirtbag. No. What I'm trying to paint a picture of is that really none of us are law-abiding citizens. So I went to Google, and I was like, like, like laws that many people break, I think is what I searched. And this blog post came up and referenced five posts, five or five laws that the average human breaks, uh, what they said on a daily basis. One of them was a little controversial, but whatever, we like controversy. And, uh, and so here's the, here's the things, that, here's the five things that this art, this blog post, post pointed out as, as how you and I are on equal playing fields here, okay? So the first thing it mentioned was the, the federal copyright law. If you're my age, back in the day, we broke the copy, copyright law like it was candy. Like, we would burn CDs, Napster, LimeWire. We broke it all. We didn't care because, hey, they have millions. Now, we share our Hulu password. We share, like, you have Netflix, but only a few of you pay for it. In fact, you probably have Netflix, and the person that invited you to their house, they're actually the ones paying for it as you suck from them, right? So, like, we, we break all sorts of laws like this all the stinking time. There's a thousand people on your Amazon Prime, isn't there? Like, we do this. The second thing they mentioned was, okay, another law that gets broken all the time is gambling. Like, you're allowed to go to established environments, a casino, to gamble, but technically, by the letter of the law, you cannot have a poker tournament in your home. A Kentucky, a house in Kentucky, got ra- their house literally got raided, this article was saying, because they had a $25 buy-in for a poker tournament because it was technically against the law. Another law that we break all the stinking time is using our cell phone while we're driving. Some of us do it more often than not, but at some point, we've all kind of broken that, like, we kind of broke it from here or there. The controversial, controversial one is that this article said it was weed, that most Americans now smoke weed. If you're in New Jersey, you're voting upon it uh, when you pass in your ballot. Like, okay, 
I personally don't smoke weed, but I know a lot of people watching this may or may not dabble from time to time. Law-abiding citizens, here we go. The, 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 the last one this article brought up was, uh, was jaywalking. And I have to admit, I break jaywalking all the time. We purchased, uh, we now have the well, the coffee shop over, over across from the church. And uh, there's a, there's a, there's a uh, crosswalk that I think I've used four times. I jaywalk all the time. Graham is in the room with me. Graham jaywalks all the time. We have broken the law. Now, now, okay, maybe for me, I would add how many of us break the speed limit, right? So we think about this. You're saying, okay, you're just another religious person. No, I'm right there with you. There are many of these I break all the time, and they all seem so minor until they're not. It seems minor until I'm jaywalking, and it's my fault. Someone hits me, and now it's on their guilty conscience. It seems minor until I send just one text message, and I hit somebody or something. It seems minor until it's not. It's just a little weed until you're driving under the influence, and you hit my kid. We can argue about that all we want, but once you hit my kid under the influence, the argument's over. These things that can seem so minor until it's not. So how do we get here? You and I all have not kept the law perfectly. Whatever law we want to place ourselves under, none of us have kept it perfectly. We've all, to put it plainly, we've, none of us have ever been fully devoted to God. We, how do we get here? We think that good enough is good enough. We think, okay, like, we, like I'm not that bad because we watch Fox News or CNN or ABC and we see a murder or a theft or drug dealer, this, that, the other thing. We're like, well, I'm not that bad while not being perfect ourselves. See, I'm just, I'm right there with you. Like, so we value for Wellspring. We want our people to value this concept of daily surrender, or that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when I think about daily surrender, I'm thinking about that. I wake up every single day saying, I have more to surrender over to God. I have more to give over to him. That I've, I, I, have, I have sin that I need to confess. Now, yeah, as a Christian, I don't fear damnation, but I, I do want to own my sin and move forward and be more like my Jesus. And so for you and I, like, we want to confess our sin because I don't, again, I don't fear damnation, but, but I want to be more like my Jesus. So because you have sin to confess, me too. But here's, here's where you and I might be a little bit different. I see my sin as a big deal because I see the value of God as a big deal. If you murder a dog, there's a punishment to that. If you murder a human, there's a bigger punishment. You make a threat against me, there might be a punishment to it. You make a threat against the president, there's a bigger punishment to it. Why? Because the object against which you are offending, there's an assigned worth to it. So if we look at the creator of the universe as supreme value of greatest worth, there is really all sin then becomes offensive to him because he is of such great worth. So if we're going to look at this question, how did we get here? We all have sin that is offensive to perfect, holy God. So what must be done? Here's, here's the second question we want to answer. What must be done? Here's what Paul says. What does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we 
proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is what? Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. So, so what do we have to do to welcome in Jesus? What do we have to do to welcome in, in salvation? Like, like Jesus is near, so how, how do we embrace this? Well, first, what does it say? That we believe. We believe what? That the wrath of God is meant to be taken out on of our sin. That, that God is never going to not take out his wrath for our sin. We just have faith that he did it in Jesus, in our place. That Jesus died. So sin brings death. Sin will always bring death. But when you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you believe that he rose from the grave, faith brings life. And so with, with what, what do we have to do? We have to believe. We believe that Jesus is Lord. And why is he Lord? He's Lord because he's the only one that could do everything that I just mentioned. And then secondly, we publicly confess that Jesus is Lord. We proclaim what the heart believes. So, so how do we bring God near? How, how do we bring about salvation? Our mouth and our heart. We confess with our, heart, our, our mouth and we believe with our heart. You have two options before you. You can, you can receive Christ by faith and be declared perfect and righteous, or you can keep trying to be perfect, assuming you've already been perfect up until this point, which would be a giant assumption, and die condemned. You can choose grace or you can choose guilt. You can choose salvation or you can choose shame. The choice is ultimately yours. Now, now, now you might understand, you might, maybe you're, maybe you're wrestling through this. Maybe you're like, man, like, I'm kind of understanding the weight of my wrong. I'm kind of under understanding like, okay, yeah, he does have great value. I understand that I have not been perfect. I understand how my imperfections are offensive to a, to a supreme God who is of great value. I understand this. But Jason, to say that, to confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, like that, that's easy believism. That's too easy. But here's the point. Like, it might sound easy, but really, if you think about it, it's anything but easy. Is it easy for prideful mankind to look at God and say, I am wrong, you are right? To say that my ways are, are wrong and your way is right? That it's, Come on, we're a little bit prideful. There's, it's not always the easiest thing. And I don't think that when Jesus Christ is dying on the cross for your sin and my sin, that God's looking down on the situation and using the word easy. I don't think resurrection is easy. Can you die and bring yourself back to life? Can you bring anybody else back to life? Resurrection is anything but easy. When you think about this message, the fact that you have a Bible, perhaps in your hands, or a Bible that you can grab on your phone or your tablet, men and women over the years have died to get that Bible in your hands. The message that we are proclaiming with our mouths. The early church publicly died and were humiliated declaring this message. Men and women have, have persevered uh, uh, proclaiming this message, dying over the years. When we think about it, there's nothing easy about it, but nonetheless, the gospel message the message of salvation is available to you and I. It is free with no restrictions. Availability 
results in accountability. Availability results in accountability. That you and I have this message available to us, and so now we're held accountable to it. And now we have to make a choice. Here's, here's something that happened a few, uh, about a week and a half ago. My sons, like I, I've mentioned in past sermons, my sons have been hanging out with some friends. They come to the, they come to the dinner table, and uh, they were all kind of like bent out of shape. They, there was a situation that came up. They were in the woods. Why were they in the woods? Okay, I don't know. They, and why were they in the woods with bats? I do not know why they were in the woods with bats. But okay, all that being what it is. And, and they got in trouble because in the woods... They found a camera, apparently some of those like hunting camera or something, and a friend grabbed a bat and destroyed the camera. And my, and my kids are telling me about this. Now that kid is in trouble. And I was like, boys, did you have anything to do with this? Did you do this? Were you a part of this? No, 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 I swear we weren't. I, we, we were telling him to stop. We tell him not to do it. And I was like, boys, this was a camera, and there's going to be proof. Now is your moment to own it, and I'll walk through this with you, and you'll still be in a little bit of trouble, but it won't be as bad. But if you're lying to me now and I find out that you lie, it's going to be a whole lot worse for you. So confess it now. And in the terms of what we're saying here, receive mercy, receive a little bit of grace. Now, you and I have been, thankfully, the video showed that my kids were good. So they didn't get in any trouble. They were actually telling the truth. But you and I have been in situations like that where perhaps we were guilty. We were at school and we got caught cheating. We were, we were, we were at work and we got caught doing something wrong and, or, or we were in our family or, or you can remember talking to your mom or dad and them having a conversation like I just described. This moment where we were dead wrong, a person in authority kind of knew it and was extending to us grace, extending to us mercy. If you confess it now, things will go a whole lot better for you. Some of us kept fronting, kept saying, no, it wasn't me, and things got worse. Some of us took it. Now, if somebody is in authority and is a good person in authority and they're saying those words, then they, they follow through. There might still be some consequences, but a good person in authority that's offering grace, offering mercy, is going to follow through with that. So what must be done? You and I must confess and must believe. None of this is easy when you think about what Jesus did for us, but it's really this simple. Take the offer. Because the God of the universe who is in authority is offering this to you. So who needs to do it? Here's what the scripture goes on to say. Says It says this, for the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to what? Shame. Maybe this has brought up a whole bunch of, of shame. Everything I'm saying, maybe, maybe it's brought, brought up memories of things you did last night or things you did a few years ago. Shame will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew or Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches, his grace, his mercy, his forever relationship with him, his riches on all, 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 all who call on him. For everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. Your heart beaten? You got breath? 
Do you count yourself among the everyone? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's no distinction. There's no difference. How? It's the same root issue. You and I have the same root issue. We've not been perfect, and, and especially in comparison to perfect God. The comparable is not what you see on CNN. The comparable is not what you see on Fox News. The comparable is perfect God. You and I have the same root issue. In comparison to God Almighty, we have not been perfect so we have the same root issue. We have the same aftermath if we put our faith in Jesus Christ. A forever relationship with him. Why? Because Jesus is Lord of all. He died for the whole world. And if you count yourself here on planet Earth, you're part of the ones that need to do this, to experience no shame, to put our trust, our faith in Jesus Christ and be vindicated from any judgment I understand my past sin. I understand my current sin. I understand I will sin again. And I want to deal with that. I want to break over that. I want to, because I'm so grateful for Jesus, I want to change those things and be more like my Jesus. The Holy Spirit lives inside of me and shows me things that need to change. But here's the thing. I don't fear damnation. I don't fear shame. If you have never called call the name of the Lord Jesus, if you never proclaimed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have something that you need to do. Otherwise, you die without a debt. You die with a debt that has not been canceled. Here's, uh, here's something. Like, so when, when, when people have babies, uh, COVID was kind of like, it's kind of like 2020 for many where it was baby making season. So uh, probably around Christmas, there's going to be a slew of babies. You know, anybody here know anybody pregnant? We all know somebody pregnant right now, okay? And, uh, and so when people are, when, when, when it's time for Ava and I to give a present to people that are, are having a baby, here's something that I think everybody needs. This is a gift that we give to everybody. Uh, praise baby. This is like a, a, a selection of songs, worship songs, uh, but kind of like the baby Einstein. It's kind of built in that kind of like a setting. If you've ever heard of baby Einstein, praise baby. It's an awesome, awesome thing. And it's like crack for kids. Like babies love this trash. It puts them like, it soothes them. It's awesome. So parents love this. A book that I've read is, uh, is uh, Smart Money, Smart Kids. Dave Ramsey and his daughter uh, wrote this book. It's a brilliant book. And so I give it to parents because every parent needs to read this. Every parent needs this. Every parent needs this. And then naturally, every parent needs some disposable diapers. I would say everybody needs this. Now, if you think about it, even though these things are nice, even disposable diapers, at the end of the day, does everybody need these things? No. You know when the disposable diaper was invented? 1942 in Sweden. And it was actually kind of like rubber pants. So this hasn't been around for even 100 years yet. So what did they do before 1942? They survived. <laughs> so although this is nice, although this is practical, although we would say it is a need, at the end of the day, if you don't have these things, you can still survive. At the end of the day, if you die without having ever claimed Jesus, you know the outcome. Deep down, you know the outcome. 
And so who needs this? We all do. Why? Because there's no picking which sins are bigger than others. To a holy God, everything that we have done that falls short of perfection is wrong, offensive, and punishable. So because we all have sin, it's not nitpicking your sin is worse than mine or vice versa. Like my sin sucks, your sin sucks, it all sucks. So we all need Jesus. We can't find another way when Jesus says he is the only way. And so here's our big thought for this experience. Here's what I hope, and I'm not trying just to make a catchy phrase, but here's, here's what it is. To claim Jesus is to proclaim Jesus. To confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. I want to proclaim that. I want to shout that from the rooftops. If you're in your living room, if you're in your car, have you ever proclaimed Jesus as Lord? When you do, shame is removed. The presence of God is within you. You have Jesus. He wants to be yours. He wants you to take him. So to claim Jesus is to proclaim Jesus. You've been confronted. We all have it. So what are you going to do about it? Through knowledge, you're holding a ticket of endless worth. What will you do with it? Do you believe it? Will you confess it? Do you, do you claim him to be claimed by him? Do you want to be counted as his when this all comes to an end? To be counted as his when this all comes to an end is to say, Jesus, I confess I have been wrong. I confess that I have sinned against you, holy God, and I believe in my heart that you punished Jesus in my place the wrath meant for me was taken out on Jesus. Death was had when Jesus died in my place. And life is given that I believe that Jesus Christ rose from the grave and I have life in him. And then he's yours. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite you to pray with me right now in the living room, the house that you were invited to, the car that you're watching from, whatever it might be, I'm going to invite you to pray with me right now. And then I want to make you a challenge. Would you pray with me? God, in this, in this moment, whenever this moment comes, Lord, I pray that there would be men and women that for the first time proclaim you as Lord and as Savior that they take hold of you in this moment. And if they have never confessed with their mouth and believed in their heart, Father, if there is now belief in the heart, would they confess it with their mouth by praying something along these lines? God, I am sorry. I confess my sin. I own my sin. I acknowledge my sin. I acknowledge that I have, I have thought to be good enough. I have thought to be perfect in my own right. But I understand that before you, holy God, I have not been perfect. I have offended you. I have wronged you with my sin. Today, I believe that Jesus died in my place. I believe that my sin brought death and Jesus died in my place. Today I'm putting my faith, I'm putting my trust 
in the finished work of Jesus Christ, that, that God, you raised him from the dead, that through faith in him, now I have life with you and forevermore. I have a relationship with you forever. Holy Spirit, I welcome you in my life. Help me live more and more like Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. I confess you today as Lord and as Savior. In the powerful name of Jesus, I say, amen. Here's my challenge. Make it known. Faith is never meant to be a private thing. Make it known. Right now, there is a link below that, that you could fill out that, that would allow us to follow up with you, allow, you, allow us to get you a Bible, allow us to get you a reading plan, allow us to come alongside you and help you know what it means to, to walk with Jesus and be like Jesus. You could go to the, the app. You could go into your phone. Whoever's hosting this party, whoever's, whoever's invited you to watch this, they, they might be familiar with our, with our app. I think it's Wellspring NJ or something in, in the app store. Whatever it is, you'll find the app. You can find the app in there as an I said yes to Jesus form. Would you fill that out? You can, it's the same thing. We want to follow up with you. Or just simply ask the person that you're watching with, okay, I've said yes, now what? Another, another way to make it known is to email info at wellspring.one. We want to follow up with you. Because this is everything. This is why we exist. So I challenge you to make it known and allow us to walk through this journey with you. Peace. Thank you for checking out a sermon recorded right here at Wellspring Church in Tom's River. If it's your first time connecting with us, we'd love to stay connected with you. So don't forget to like and subscribe to this video. And then down in the description box below, there's ways to give online. There's our social media accounts. We'd love to stay connected with you throughout the week. We love and appreciate you, and we hope you have a fantastic week.